Buonasera. My name is Marcello. I am a tour leader with Explore. Ciao. Come, follow me. Behind this 200-year-old gate is the best view of one of Rome's finest fountains. Ah, oh, bellissima. Look at the Renaissance detail, the sunlight in the bronze. Not everyone knows about Turtle Fountain, but you will if you explore. Search exploreworldwide.co.uk and don't just travel. Explore. Hello, it's Friday the 16th of February. I'm Alex von Tunzelman and I'm very relieved I didn't lose two seats overnight. <laughs> Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review. Every day we sit around like three orangutans, delicately picking the choicest fleas out of the British media's fur just for you. Before we start picking, we're so grateful for those of you who've joined us on the Paper Cuts Supporters Club. Why not get down with the cool kids and join us too? Our supporters are doing their bit to support independent media at a time when it's more important than ever. Politicians are lying with impunity, the internet's filling up with AI sludge, and a lot of the traditional media is owned by creepy billionaires pushing their own agendas. We bring you real people, I promise they are real, who are allowed to say almost anything they want about the news, apart from the C word, we try not to say that. For three quid, less than the price of one coffee a month, we can give you that with no ads and extra special content. Get in, there's a link in the show notes. Now, here are the top stories for today's show. Slow me the money. Britain slips into technical recession, as if there's any other kind. I'm back on Suffragette City. London Overground rebrand allegedly goes woke. And this is my island in the sun. Well, unless it's in Scotland. Would you live on a private island? Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where there are no flies on us. I'm Alex von Tunzelman, and with me today is Guardian sketch writer John Crace. Hi, John. Hi there. And also with me is comedy writer, whose new panel show, One Person Found This Helpful, starts on Monday at 6.30 on Radio 4. It's Jason Hazley. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> what are the front pages looking like, John? Well, mainly they're dominated by the technical recession. Mm. Um, though, I mean, some papers choose to ignore it altogether on the grounds that... If they don't publish it, then it can't have happened. But I'm rather taken by this notion of being technically in recession. It's as though it's okay, really. It's not a really frightening recession. It's like being told by the doctor that you've technically got cancer or something like that. It's <laughs> uh, quite frightening. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but that is sort of where we're at. I mean, the Times has actually, as, as we've seen, ignored it altogether. Their important take is don't rush to rewrite staff rights, Labour told. And I'm, right. I'm not sure that's the story everyone else is talking about. I mean, and they're not in government yet, so no. that's that seems like a low priority. Mm. What else is in the broadsheets, John? Um... The Guardian, God bless us, um, <laughs> we're on the money. PM warned against cuts as UK falls into recession. This is the idea that Jeremy Hunt in his March budget will try to pay for his 2p tax cut that he wants to give away to Tory voters by cutting public services still further. The Telegraph again, ignores the recession and goes straight to hunt to shelve 2p income tax cut, which probably for the few remaining Tory voters uh, will be the kiss of death. <laughs> um, and the eye 
obviously, I mean, it's a it's a long one. UK slips into recession, but squeeze will cut inflation. Hunt believes. Well, it's like a whole story. It's like it a is. narrative. But also, I mean, the the clear problem here is Hunt believes <laughs> because if, <laughs> if 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 ever a man really doesn't understand economics, it's Jeremy Hunt. He was he was a man who was made chancellor simply because he looked plausible. He's got a good haircut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, All right, Jason. What have we got on the tabloids? So um, on the front page of the Mirror. Um, and if I were drunk, I'd be able to say this word first time. But give me a... I might have to have a couple of run-ups at this. Sunak's recovery plan fails, and then in big letters, recession. Recession. Recession? Recession would have been easier, but they've gone for recession. 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 Right. Yeah, that's... I mean... It sort of looks quite good written down, but that is quite hard to say, isn't it? I mean, it? perfect. Sure if, I'd, if I'd on. had, you know, six pints, recession. recession. I'd, be all, I'd be all over it straight away. Pints of recession, please. Pints of recession, please. I'll tell you what, it's my best friend, Sunak. Um, <laughs> the Daily Mail has now be bold and go for big tax cuts, Mr Hunt. Oh, dear. Oh, wow. So I'm afraid, yes. Yeah. Great Sorry, disappointment guys. when they read the front Sorry, page guys. of the Telegraph and you, find uh, out he's shelving them. Yeah, they didn't get the memo, did they? Mm. Um, the interesting thing about this is that the word cut is directly above the word hunt. And I've already is, told you is, we're not allowed to say no, that No, I know, word. but there is no way that your eye can't see the word there, <laughs> tr- desperately trying to get out from the front page of the Daily Mail. The Sun's front page says, Yesterday, Macca's base seemed so far away. Now it looks as though it's here to stay. That's this, really good. Not That's bad, lovely, eh? This is the story about Paul McCartney and his beloved Fender 501 base, which got nicked from a van in 1972 and had been found by some people who were clearing a loft. Oh. So he's finally got his base back. It's the one that he used right from... He bought it in Hamburg and he used it all the way through to, if you watch the... Um, uh, the Peter Jackson Get mm. Back films. He's playing it in all those sessions oh, as well. Wow. So that's so a lovely reunion. Classic Sun front page news of something that's obviously not the recession or anything else that's actually happening. Yeah, it's not today. the recession. Don't worry, guys. Nothing happened. No, but there's a really nice guitar story. Okay, good. And on the front page of the Daily Star, all together now, proud to love animals. Proud to love animals. Um, there is the story of a Jack Russell called Aussie who calls his owner by her name and tells her, I love you. The headline is Amazing Talking Dog of Barnsley. <laughs> now, I think, John, though, you're quite into this story, aren't you, the talking dog? I'm I'm really into it. And, I mean, to be honest, my, my surprise by the story is that it's just not a story because everyone with a dog knows that their dog can talk. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, does your dog say? Well, my dog, uh, funnily enough, uh, about eight or nine years ago, was speechwriter to Ed Miliband. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, and he wrote that famous um, speech at the Manchester Party Conference when Ed Miliband tried to remember everything and then forgot the deficit bit. Oh. And so, so got through a whole conference speech without mentioning the deficit. And that sort of ended his career. Wow. Sorry to hear that. Sad. Oh, yeah. I was talking to someone the other day who um, does dog, dog tarot. Right. So she she reads tarot cards for dogs mm. and their owners. And apparently she's doing it at a festival called Good Woof. Oh, <laughs> oh very nice. Great. Right. We're quite into that. I'm going. 
<laughs> okay, and I'm sorry if I can tear you away from the talking dogs. There is quite a significant piece of news overnight that was too late for the papers. Um, we had the results for by-elections in Wellingborough and Kingswood. Two substantial Conservative majorities, two substantial Labour swings and two new Labour MPs, one of whom is quite temporary because the Kingswood seat is disappearing at the next election. Jason, this is good news for Keir Starmer, isn't it? Uh, it certainly is good news for Keir Starmer. The swing in Wellingborough was 28.5%, which is the second highest Conservative to Labour swing in any post-war by-election. Gosh. The share of the vote for the Conservatives fell by an extraordinary 37.6%. That's quite big. The monster-raving Looney Party candidate, mm. Nick the Flying Brick, got, <laughs> got 217 votes. Well, oh, done, well, Nick. well done, well Nick. Well done, Nick. Good work. Nick. Yeah, good um, work. Of course, uh, this morning... Oofy Reese Mogg was being wheeled out to, you know, dispense his usual wingback complacency about, oh, this isn't a terrible result at all. And, you know, it's not <laughs> it's not actually a win for Labour. Um, wh- just when, a technical win. Like a it's technical just a technical recession. win. Yeah. I yeah. mean, this yeah. really, it's very much a repeat of what was going on yesterday when people were being wheeled out to make excuses. We're currently living through a golden age of excuses, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> the other bit about Jacob Reese Mogg and sort of his. I'm, a, I'm afraid Labour have lost these two seats. <laughs> the kind of nonsense is is that a third of the Kingswood constituency, as it is now, will be reformed into his own constituency. So this is right on mm. his doorstep. And so if it's repeated at the general election later in the year, he's a goner. But then, so most of them, because if the Wellingborough result is repeated, I think we're due to have just four Tory MPs left. <laughs> Wonderful. Four too many. Yeah. (laughs) Now, it always seems to be a bad day for Prime Minister Rishi Sunak lately, but the last day has been extra bad. So bad. Not only have Labour taken these two more seats off his party overnight, but yesterday it was announced that the British economy has officially gone into recession. John, what is a technical recession? Um... Well, I'm I'm not exactly that certain. I mean, I think the idea is that if there is no growth for two consecutive quarters, that counts as a recession. But I mean, we sort of knew we were in a recession anyway. I don't think this has come as any surprise for us. I mean, why it's such bad news for Rishi Sunak is because as of earlier this week, he was still pretending that of his five promises, four of them were still on course to be met, Mm. Um, and one of which was growth. And so obviously that is now kind of dead in the water. Mm. And you can hear the new spin starting to emerge already. And they're saying, oh, well, of course, um, it was really all about inflation. The other ones were little promises. We, We never meant to keep them. Because the real one is inflation. Yeah. Which, is, which is such bullshit because growth was promise number one, wasn't yeah. it? It was yep. the top of the list. Certainly was. Um, wow. the, uh, the excuses were coming thick and fast yesterday. I'm going to run through a few. Jeremy Hunt came out and said, low growth is not a surprise. Um, this is not low growth. It's economic decline. That's a yeah. different thing. <laughs> he said the underlying picture here is an economy which is more resilient than most people predicted, which effectively says if you ignore the recession, things aren't as bad as the worst predictions. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's unbelievable. You have to kind of wonder what Jeremy Hunt really thought the economy might be doing <laughs> under his Because if he's going, we're only in a techie, you know. Um, 
You know, perhaps he thought we, you know, there would be sort of scavenging on the streets by now. I mean, I love the excuse of, you know, we're in recession chance to what's happening. Well, that's not a surprise. That's now my excuse for everything. Alex, you haven't filed your piece today. Well, that's not a surprise. You've been taking the bins out. Well, that's not a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I mean, filed the piece because I haven't written it. It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise no, to me. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, is this just, is that what's going on, Jason? I mean, is Rishi Sunak even going to make it to the next election? That's a good question, actually. I think probably if the evil plotters WhatsApp group, um, I reckon the mm. fucking notifications are going crackers this morning on there, <laughs> aren't they? I bet they are. Um, the other person who was wheeled out yesterday and had his coffin tilted upright so he could talk was Norman Lamont. Um, Remember who, him? Who did, who did say, um, there's light at the end of the tunnel. What he failed to mention is that it's getting further and further away from <laughs> us because we're going the wrong direction. <laughs> now, yesterday it was announced that the London Overground Line would be split into six lines and each of them would be renamed. The big confusing orange line that goes all the way around London is undergoing a major rebranding exercise to make things simpler, allegedly, for those who use it. John, does this look simpler to you? Um, I suppose so. But I mean, it's like all these things. You'd, I wasn't aware there was a problem. I was just <laughs> always thinking, oh, well, I'm taking the train from Richmond to Highbury or wherever mm. it was. I mean, maybe it'll help for tourists and stuff like that. Um, anyway, there are six new lines. We have the Lioness line from Watford Junction to Euston, the Mild May line from Richmond to Stratford, the Windrush line from Highbury and Islington to West Croydon, the Weaver line from Liverpool Street to Enfield, the Suffragette line from Gospel Oak to Barking, and the Liberty line from Romford to Upminster. Now, obviously, Sadiq Khan has chosen the names of these lines. Personally. Which, well, personally, <laughs> and obviously, this has given a aneurysm to sort of half the Tory commentators who kind of... <laughs> detect a kind of woke, hard-left, commie agenda here. <laughs> um, yeah, because the suffragette line, I mean, how dare he have a line to commemorate a few Tory women? You said uh, they weren't. <laughs> I was going to say, they weren't. Like left wing, the suffragettes no, 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 really no. were they? Yeah, no, Criswell Pankhurst. I mean, she was a Tory. Wasn't she a Tory MP? And I think there were a couple of suffragettes that subsequently joined the British Union of fascists. Mm, yeah, Sylvia Pankhurst was all right, but some yeah. of the other ones were yeah, pretty, were a bit, pretty bit right wing, to be honest. Yeah, but they were so right wing they were left. Horseshoe <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, suffragettes. Oh, yeah. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> in the woke wars, you've got to stay alert. <laughs> <laughs> what about the other names? Good, cringe, what have we got here? I mean, I quite like Mild May, Windrush, Weaver. I think those are all quite nice pieces of London history. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Liberty Line. It's, it's a bit... It's a bit, Last, mm, bit of an afterthought, yeah. isn't it? The lioness line is hard to say. It's very yeah, hard to say. It's a bit recession, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah lioness. Uh, Liberty Line, I mean, you know, you might get some sort of tourists thinking they're going to end up on Regent Street at the shop. Mm. Uh, right, OK, so you've accidentally hit on something important here, which is that this is a very clever bit of rebranding, and I'll give you two bits of evidence to suggest that why that is so. One is absolutely everybody is talking about it. Yes, yeah, right? that's true. Which yep. is great. The London Underground, TFL and uh, its previous incarnation, have always been very good at marketing, right back from when Frank Pitt was brought into it to unify all the design in the 1930s. Mm. So these lines... Um, they're named differently from the tube lines, which differentiates them, which says, oh, this is a different network. Um, 
they each throw a little bit of London history at you. It, there's loads of evidence that says when you give a line an identity, you push its numbers up. So they're going to make money back mm, on the money that they spent on this. Yeah, I like it. I'm sold yeah, immediately. We, we love the woke overground. Yeah. <laughs> your favourite history nerds are back. Yes, we at We Are History have been trawling the history shelves of our local bookshops. Well, I have, John. You mostly went round finding your books and moving them to the front of the displays. If I can find them, it's a bonus. We are ready to tell you all about what we've learned, from the revolting French to some revolting women. Via some Brits abroad and a foul-mouthed Irishman. So, download We Are History. Our laughable attempt at a silly history podcast. With me, John O'Farrell, and me, Angela Barnes. Wherever you get your podcasts. Now on Paper Cuts, we're not above a corny pun. Not above it. <laughs> we live for corny puns. <laughs> it's the headlines of the day. But sometimes the headlines ne coupe pas la moutarde. On page three of our <laughs> beloved Daily Star today is the story that Rolling Stone Keith Richards has made a joke that he's waiting for the right time to wear nappies. You never grow up. I mean, it's in fact, you get to a certain age, you're growing down. I'm waiting for the diapers. And the headline on this story, ripe for Rolling Stone song puns, the underwhelming nappies can wait for Keith. Come on, you can do better than that. Start me up on Twitter or threads at Papercuts Show with the hashtag FixTheHeadline and give us some satisfaction. The winner will get a Papercuts t-shirt and will be announced on Monday. So, Jason, what have the papers got for us today? I think you've got the sun and the mirror. Certainly have. Page three of the sun is a story about Domino's, the pizza chain, um, is starting to put entire fucking pasta dishes on top of their pizzas, <laughs> which uh, as someone has described as a war on Italy. Um, <laughs> so that like, they're putting lasagna on and they're oh. putting uh, carbonara on. I mean, it's just appalling. Anyway, um, the headline is, they're taking the pizza. Oh, very good. Mm. Yes, yes. And then in the mirror... There's a cracking story about a physics teacher called Stephen McAllister who just before the first lockdown in 2020 went into Aldi and noticed that they had a telescope there for 80 quid. So he bought it and he's been taking wonderful photographs of uh, space um, and basically it didn't cost him a fortune. Anyway, well done, The Mirror. The headline is, To Aldi Go. Oh, very oh, good. Oh, yes. yes. Very yeah. nice. And John, what have you got for us? Um... I've got I've got three, two from the Daily Star. The first on uh, page seven, which is a story we have mentioned about this uh, dog owner Ellie Chapman, mm. who has just worked out that her dog can talk. Mm. As I said, uh, <laughs> what, took, what took her so long? <laughs> um, but their headline is. I woof you. Oh, oh, that's lovely. And again, on, on the star on page 15, this is perhaps one of the most unsurprising news stories of the day, and that is that most skiers who injured themselves turned out to have had a couple of bevies before taking <laughs> to the slopes. Now, who would have guessed? Mm. Um, but the headline is... Peaced again. Oh, very good. You kind of feel that it was a story that was just sort of written because they thought of the headline <laughs> and, and looking for some 
And also, but I can't uh, <laughs> conclude without going to the sort of Daily Telegraph features page here. It's not so much a pun, but in the ongoing war against Harry and Meghan, mm. this one really is a new layer of depth. Um, <laughs> depth. With inverted depth. commas. There. Yes. Yep. <laughs> the headline is, Three Lazy Errors on the Sussex's coat of arms. This oh, is my on, God. I know. How it, dare they? Those How dare they? I know. This is sort of page five, and it's written by Hugo Vickers, who is mm. what is sort of laughingly called a royal correspondent, <laughs> um, which is, I think, somebody who is paid to sort of receive press releases from Clarence House or something mm. like that. And um, he has been told that of all the things that are wrong, the, the Sussexes have messed up their coat of arms. And I will tell you, the just to give you a flavour, um, Prince Harry's arms feature a label with five points. That was correct in 2018, as he was then the grandson of the sovereign. As he is now the son of the sovereign, these should be readjusted with a label of three points. Now, if you're still awake by the end of this <laughs> uh, podcast, let alone the end of the um, uh, article, well, congratulations. And that was, that was just a caption you read out, that wasn't was it? Just I mean, there's, yeah. there's hundreds of pages of body copy yeah. there as yeah. well. And, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's a little caption of the Sussex with a kind of pull-out of the Sussex coat of arms of this egregious error. I mean, yeah. I mean to be not... honest, I can't live. I, I couldn't people. live. Awful people. It's not like anybody drew a cock and balls on the line, is it? <laughs> Now, slip off your shoes and slip into the bizarre world of the features sections, where every single day a new trend must be created or there'll be nothing to fill the pages. So on a day when Britain goes into recession, the Times has chosen to do a feature on buying and selling private islands. I'm sure a high priority for all of us. Jason, you've got a show on Radio 4. I assume that means you've got a private island. Oh, of course. Um, got several. The, what's funny about this is that this is in a, a supplement inside the Times called Bricks and Mortar. And if you know anything about how newspapers work, the supplements always go to bed and get printed long before the actual paper. So this has probably been sitting around for four days now with this story about private islands and along comes a recession. <laughs> and it's not possible for a newspaper to blush, but if it could, this one would really be quite pink by now. Um, so this is a story about... Effect well, if you want the short version of this, this is uh, here is an interview with an estate agent at the end. <laughs> but in fact, there's a little more story to it than that because this is a guy called Chris Crollo, who's a Canadian, who buys and sells private islands. And the weird thing is there are so many of them because you tend to think, if you think... The image in your head of a private island is something like, oh, okay, Zuckerberg's bought an enormous thing. He's building an underground lair, blah, blah, blah. Mm, volcano on it, James Bond's in a helicopter. That, all, that, yeah. all that stuff. But in fact, there, there are some, like, for instance here, he's Canadian. Canada has more than 52,000 islands. Well, so loads we could have one each. Yeah. Yeah. Some islands are actually incredibly cheap as well. 
Um, I mean, there are some nice ones. Um, yeah, probably not one of the ones with all the palm trees and the not, volcano not the palm tree ones. No, apparently, yeah. trying to buy a Greek island is a nightmare because there's so much red tape. Um, <laughs> well, um, he's got a thousand islands on his website, says this guy. Um, there's a slightly right. there's a slightly dark backstory as well about how when he was younger he was abused and he ran away from home and camped on an island with a friend and he had a thing for islands ever since. So maybe this is sort of I don't know. He feels it's a safe place. Um, but yes, anyway, interview with an estate agent. There we go. But it's, is it a safe place? I mean, John, you know, the thing about a private island, now I know, you know, for all of us sort of journalists and so on, obviously it's high priority, serious concern, what we would do with our private islands. But is it safe or is it just one of those things that's kind of a massive hassle? I mean, don't you have to sort of, you get one of these rocks in Canada, you have to install plumbing and electricity and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, it sounds like quite hard work. Well, it is. I mean, and I speak as an owner of a private <laughs> island because I can reveal exclusively to you that I own the Isle of Wight. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of lease some of it to uh, the prison there mm. and the rest of it to Richard Tice, the leader of reform, because he, <laughs> he has a nice weekend retreat there with his lady love, Isabel Oakeshott. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that, that keeps me going, really. <laughs> no, but I mean, I can't even understand people who want second homes <laughs> because, you know, A, isn't one home enough? And B, why would I want a cottage in Dorset, which I would have to sort of spend four hours driving to every weekend to mow the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> two sets of gas bills. Two yeah, two sets, sets of, of gas bills. And yeah. so, you know, God knows what you're going to do with an island. Um, Jason, yeah, is this is this a fantasy that sort of comes aground pretty quickly? Well, it depends what you can what you can buy, I suppose. If you can spend, you know, seven figures on a delightful island which has already got some sort of habitation on it, then fine. But otherwise, you know, you can buy islands for um, just like twenty thousand mm. pounds. You know, which is absurd. But you, but what you're getting is a rock in the sea. Yeah, that's it, really. You know, the island is probably overselling it a bit. Um, this this lad though for six years he was the host of a TV show in Canada called Island Hunters, oh. which sound which sounds to begin with promising and then you think hang on a minute they're on maps you don't need to hunt very hard to find them do you we've got the answers. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to John Crace. Sorry, I was having a glass of water at the time. <laughs> no, it was a pleasure as ever to be on. Thanks to Jason Aisley. Thank you. Don't forget the Papercut Supporters Club. Just three quid a month for all this, fewer ads and more of the good stuff. Head over to back.papercutshow.com and follow the link in the show notes. Let's say a big thank you to three of our best beloved supporters now. Thank you, my good man, Martin Ford Downs. And a big thank you from me to the fabulous Emma Robinson. Cheers, mate, to the thoroughly excellent Benedict Plumley. I've been Alex von Tunzelman and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when Charlotte the Stingray, who lives in an aquarium in North Carolina, has got pregnant despite not sharing her tank with a male stingray for eight years. Sisters are doing it for themselves. All hail the Virgin Mary. Bye. See you tomorrow. Oh, very good. <laughs> good. Sorry. See you next week. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Alex von Tunzelman with Jason Hazley and John Crace. The producers were Liam Tate and Jacob Jarvis with assistant production by Adam Wright. 
Music and audio production was by me, Simon Williams, and socials were by Jess Harpin, Mike Bolin, and Kieran Leslie. The managing editor was Jacob Jarvis, the group editor was Andrew Harrison, and the executive producer was Martin Boitosh. Papercuts is a Podmasters production.